Zara, I am so excited to talk about today's sponsor. It's the new film, Challenges. It's from the director of Call Me By Your Name, Luca Guadagnino, and stars and is produced by none other than our girl Zendaya. Yeah, you know I love her. You love her too. I love her so much. Zendaya plays Tashi Duncan, a former tennis prodigy turned coach who is married to a Grand Slam champion, currently on a losing streak. And if that's not bad enough, Tashi's strategy to help her husband break his curse sort of takes a surprising and awkward turn. Hmm, awkward indeed. Because now he must face off against his former best friend and Tashi's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. Zara, the tensions are running high. I know. Tashi's someone who makes no apologies for her game on and off the court. It's her game, her rules, but with her past and present colliding, Tashi must face reality and ask herself, what will it cost to win? Challenges is the sexy drama that everyone's talking about and it's definitely not one you want to miss. It's about passion, friendship and what happens when your past comes back to challenge you. You can grab a ticket from Tuesday the 26th. So grab your friends and get excited. I will be grabbing you and we are definitely going to be going to watch it. Oh, please. Thank you so much to Challenges for making this episode of Shameless possible. When I'm with my kids and my son starts going, Mom, I'm trying to talk to you and I'm getting a photo with someone, that's where I'll call it. That's where I'll go, no, because I don't know what that's like, what my boys are going through. So I just just don't ever want it to be. And I don't want it that bad. I really don't. I don't want the – I don't want fame. Welcome to this In Conversation episode of Shameless with the remarkable Celeste Barber. We have no doubt you know precisely who Celeste is. She does have 10 million followers across Instagram and Facebook, but we're going to introduce her to you anyway. Celeste began her career as an actress, but over the last six years has channeled her talent for making people think and laugh into a movement she calls Challenge Accepted. The premise is simple and brilliant. Via her Instagram page, Celeste parodies the content Instagram has become synonymous for. Exceedingly thin, obscenely famous women posing in unrealistic and sometimes downright bizarre ways. Celeste's comedy has made her a local and international sensation. She's graced the likes of InStar magazine, penned a best-selling memoir, is the new face of Emco Beauty and is practically taking over the world one post at a time. In this chat, we wanted to hear about Celeste's life before fame, the awkward stages of pursuing a career in the public eye, her relationship with rejection and failure, and what it's like to build a business off the back of being yourself. Celeste is someone we have been trying to get on the podcast for a couple of years now, as you can probably imagine. So to have the opportunity to sit down with her and hear all about her life and career was one we were very, very grateful for. Here's Celeste. Celeste Barber, welcome to Shameless In Conversation. We are absolutely delighted to have you here. Thanks for having me, girls. I'm very happy to be here. So exciting. Celeste, we start every interview with the exact same question, and that is, what were you like as a kid? You grew up in Tweed Heads. Was that right? Yes, I did. I was full on as a kid. I was definitely a full on kid. I've got ADD and I wasn't diagnosed with that till I was 
16 so and I danced and I yeah I was I was a lot I still am but I that's what I think I was as a kid quite full-on were you the class clown like did you revel in making people laugh then were you able to make people laugh then yeah loved it always always loved it and I think yeah I was able to make them laugh then I've always kind of found comedy easy and being funny so I, I always tried to make people laugh I'm not sure if they loved it Sometimes they, you know, they laughed and loved it. But other times, again, I think they were like, shut up, which is fair, <laughs> fair enough. Hey, Celeste, did the diagnosis of ADD kind of click for you, I guess? If it only came when you were in your later teens, I'm guessing a lot of things in your life would have added up to that point, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of interesting because like school and everything was really hard for me, but it kind of also made me just get my shit together and figure out what it is that I like to do and stay focused and not worry about stuff that didn't matter to me. So a late diagnosis was quite good because I felt like I earned my stripes in the world and I found out what my currency was and all that sort of stuff. But that's not, yeah, that's not to say it wasn't really difficult. But when when we got the diagnosis, it was just day and night, like flicking a switch when I was medicated and yeah, I'd really felt for my parents. Like I sat down and read a paragraph of a book I've never read, I had never read because I just couldn't sit down and do it. I just couldn't do it. And my parents cried. It was, yeah, it was a lot. It was a massive moment. It was great. You are clearly a very creative person. How did that manifest in those really formative years? Like if you weren't reading, were you watching stuff? Like what were you doing to kind of inspire you creatively? I was watching stuff but I was mainly in my head and writing jokes and ideas and scenarios which I then later in life realized were sketches so yeah I always just had a lot going on in my head and just ideas of how I thought stuff was always really funny and and how to approach things kind of differently yeah so yeah always just kind of had stuff stuff going on which occupied a lot of time and then when I wasn't doing that I was watching friends or anything with Jim Carrey in it (laughs) (laughs) that was all of us was it kind of watching friends and loving that sitcom I've heard you speak about friends and how it's your favorite show in the history of the world as well before which I can relate to you on but it was kind of watching those things that gave you a love of acting and kind of these aspirations to become an actor yourself yeah well I always wanted to perform and I always knew that I was going to do that I danced a lot but then I kind of got into acting and that was much more more my jam and I think just seeing funny women on screen as well, like I love the Golden Girls and all that. That was awesome for me. And, you know, on Friends seeing women and in what I believe to be really relatable situations and I wanted to do that. I wanted to make that funny and, and easy to watch as well. The dialogue was hilarious. So it's really my jam. So at what point did you turn around and say, you know what, acting's the thing that I want to do? Like when did you start to fall in love with it? Always. I always kind of loved the idea of it, playing characters and diving into different worlds. I don't know if there was an actual specific time where I went, and I'm acting. I always did drama at school and I did acting classes after school and dancing and all that sort of stuff. And I'm really lucky. I think I'm really lucky that I knew because I have stepdaughters and I remember they're 19 and 21 now. I remember when they were younger at high school, I was like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, I don't, I don't really know. And I would like be like, well, you know, we need to figure it out. And they, which was so true, they would say to me, we aren't lucky. You knew what you wanted to do. It was from the beginning of time. That's how, we don't know. So it, it's, I realise that I'm now, they, you know, pointed that out to me as they should have, that I'm really lucky that I kind of knew what I wanted to do early on and that it's paid off. <laughs> Far out. <laughs> 
Well, that's the thing, right? I think anyone in a creative industry knows that it's all very glittery and fabulous once you've made it or once you've experienced success in it. But no one really tends to talk about those really awkward years when you know what you want to do, but actually doing it feels like there's a complete chasm between those two ideas. And pursuing a creative career can be incredibly uncomfortable and can be kind of ugly at points too. Do you remember those years well, like those years of maybe rejection or complete instability that do tend to come with a creative career? Yeah, because they weren't that long ago. I have only been kind of financially being able to live off what I've been working towards for 25 years, no more, my, well, my whole life for the past five years. So that, that's not long ago at all for me, that world. And the, and the acting world as well, there's still absolutely rejection. Like it's just everywhere. It's rife. But I've noticed since, you know, getting success, it doesn't, nothing for me changes, nothing kind of creatively it doesn't get easier if anything it gets harder because you've got to stay onto it there are now expectations there's now ideas of what you should and shouldn't be doing and you have to actively stay true to what it is you believe in you it's easy to waver off that because it's just so money or it's not so it doesn't kind of slow down if anything it just kind of gets more intense for me on a creative level did those rejections ever kind of make you waver a little bit and think maybe I should pursue something that is a bit more secure? No, because you just know, you know that it is part and parcel of having a creative life that you will get rejected. You're kind of trained in it early on and through drama school and all that. You just, you know, and you know, the rejection sucks, but it's just, for me, it was just part of it. And I also am acutely aware that I sound smug now that I'm, you know, having really, I'm very lucky with where I'm at and I have quite, you know, good success now to be going, yeah, well, you know what, rejection is just a part of it. But it's fucking hard. It can be really hard. But there was never really a time where I think I went, I'm done, I'm out, you all suck. I just kept going. Talk to us about the first real triumph that stands out in your mind when it comes to your career. I mean, a lot of people know that you did get a role on All Saints that was quite stable as well. But what was the first big triumph in your mind as far as your acting career goes? All Saints was huge for me. Huge. It was still to this day one of my favourite jobs ever. I got a role on that as a as a guest, I think I was first, and then I just hustled and got uh, got upgraded to or promoted or whatever to a semi-regular, and then I got a regular role on it. So I was on it for five years, and I just absolutely loved it. And that was definitely in it, within the within the industry. I was like, whoa, yes! I was so excited. I was so excited by that. What did you love about All Saints? I mean, I loved the show as a kid. It was so good to watch but what was the experience like being on the show and why do you hold it still as kind of like one of your best jobs ever the people they're my family still we are super tight and we've lost a lot of people from that show I lost my best friend two of my best friends were on that show that have passed away then Jude McGrath passed away and we all just kind of oh we all link back in and not like as a group but we're all I'm close with I, I love them they're like a family to me always will be for me can you talk to us I mean I think there are a lot of people out there who aspire to be in a position like what you are right now or aspire to become a really successful actor but they don't actually know how to get there there are also a lot of people who try and don't succeed and I wonder do you have any things that you look back on in your career where you went 
I'm good at this. Like this is the one thing that means that I maybe look for open windows or I can kind of push through those opportunities when they flicker or when they glimmer and they present themselves. What is it do you think about you that meant that you got from I want to be successful in a creative industry to I actually am successful? Well, I think realising that you have very little control over that is important. That I say it to my kids about everything and never, ever, 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 ever give up. Just if you want it to go and go and go and never, ever stop. And that's kind of always been how I work. I'm also quite good in a room. So I know my strengths. I know that if there's an audition, it's better if I can go into the room and have the audition because then I can meet with people and I can chat and see my personality as opposed to, you know, putting down something and, and sending it over. That's helped me a lot, knowing my, my strengths in entertaining kind of people is is a good thing and disarming people. I've, I also, I'm a very anxious person in, in my work. I love it, but I'm anxious and I, I kind of get really proud of myself that I just do it anyway. I go, well, I'm, it doesn't matter how you feel. I'm less so now in work. I'm much more confident in it. But even as a kid performing or just, you know, having a rough time at school, just kind of doing stuff anyway and just even though it's the fear can be crippling, just pushing through is, is something that I, I think I credit to maybe my success and just being really freaking lucky. Some of the greatest actors in the whole world no one knows about are my friends. No one knows about them. And there's no reason why they aren't massive stars and, you know, constantly working, constantly working all the time. There's no, there is no rhyme or reason to it at all. It's just how it goes. Luck plays a very big part. Celeste, you mentioned just then that you were at least or you used to be quite anxious when it came to your work. What did that anxiety look like? Was it just like caring a lot about what you were putting into that work, about what the output was? Like what did it all look like? I used to really care about what people thought. Like, well, what if it doesn't hit or what if it doesn't, you know, what if I offend someone? I don't, yeah. But I think my drive and my want to be creative and to be successful took over my fear of giving a shit about what people thought I was like well I seem to be doing it anyway so maybe that's maybe I'd have to trust my gut that I know what I'm doing and people don't seem to be annoyed so stop overthinking it did that ever get emotionally draining though in those days before you kind of knew how to overcome that anxiety? I am someone with chronic anxiety, obviously someone who also puts themselves out there on the internet. We have a podcast and obviously are very, very public with our lives and our opinions as well. Did you go through a process of feeling really drained energetically even when you were struggling with that? Always and still do. I find anxiety very exhausting very exhausting especially at the like in the world that we're in at the moment and it's a little bit more stable kind of for us now I guess after you know the COVID stuff but that's that's very case specific it's not for everyone at all so so many people are still in such you know scary territory but it's you know just having to push through is and I love kids sometimes you've got to get on with it but I do I find it really exhausting really exhausting especially I think a lot of creative people do suffer quite a bit with anxiety and unfortunately sometimes I think it go hand in hand with it because we have to be kind of sensitive beings to be able to tap into creativity and and look at things differently and look at it from a different perspective Dave Chappelle said in his interview with Letterman I've written it on my mirror in my bathroom we have to preserve our openness 
which is so true. I find that as kind of creative people, once you kind of open up a little bit and you go, oh, oh, actually it's okay, and then it rush, it doesn't stop then, and it can be exhausting. So it's uh, it was a really cool thing to hear, and especially from Dave Chappelle, the great. So I wrote that down. I was like, I, I need to hold on to that when I go through go through my even with my friendships or whatever when I navigate through my life. Just hold up. We're allowed to go. That's enough. Actually, I've, I've given. I've trust me. I've been living through that. I'm like God, isn't this enough? Like it's okay to rein it in. It's so funny that we're having this conversation on a podcast where we ask people to do that, right? Like ask people to be open with themselves. But I think this is surely one of the most common things where you have to put a line between what you're willing to share and what you're not willing to share. Have you got really firm boundaries now? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I probably cannot articulate to you what they are because they're case specific. So when something comes up and if in my gut I go, no, I'm like, and I have a really excellent team around me, my agent for years and all, and they are very good at saying, you don't have to do any of that. You know that, don't you? And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's right. Cool. I'm not doing it. That's awesome. I'm much better at that now, though. I'm like, nah, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> so <laughs> I, can t- I turn into being a brat real quick now. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's important for your sanity. Yeah, preserve your openness. It's important to be a brat sometimes, particularly in this industry, I think. Let's actually talk about how you got here, though, because I think we got so excited we moved too quickly beyond it. In 2015, it's a very well-told story, you and your sister started to parody celebrity Instagram photos in text exchanges, and you then were compelled to put those photos and kind of translate that into online and onto social media. What do you remember of those really early days of that with your sister? Well, my sister's a nurse and she's the funniest person you'll ever meet if you ever get to meet her. And we just randomly send <laughs> me photos and, of, you know, someone, oh, God, pick the most ridiculous thing you can think of. And she said that to me and she'd be like, the caption would be like, I'm just taking the kids to school. It'd be someone on a yacht in a bikini. I'm just up with the kids off at school. And my sister would be like, oh, is that what you look like taking the kids to school? I'm like, nah. And then like, we'd just send those back and forward to each other. She's the queen of memes, my sister. She just sends them all the time. And um, I said to her, she goes, you should do that or something. And I was like, oh, challenge accepted. And then I was like, well, there's something in that actually. That's quite funny. That's actually quite funny. Imagine the idea of, that's funny. If you think longer about a photo than just what it looks like, in my mind, pretty funny so I just kind of got into it from then and just loved doing it what did you want most after posting those parodies online like was it to purely make people laugh was it to poke fun at celebrity culture was it because you wanted to change how women see themselves was it just all of the above or have I dug too quickly and was it just very simple <laughs> no, no 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 kind of all of the above but to be honest with you it was to make people laugh I knew it was funny I was like this is funny this is, and I know that this is going to hit. I, I just, I have a good idea of that sort of stuff. I also wanted to work and I knew that this would get, if, if this got traction, people would see it would get more eyes on me and I could work. It's always been the goal is to work, to be famous, none of that. I'm, I'm, I hate all that stuff, but is to work and to get, you know, those sort of minds like producers, directors, whatever, to see it. So you know, that comes from a, a jobbing actor who has struggled and knows and I, kn- I knew that I was a, part of me is a bit different to other people that I go for auditions with. I was like, oh, I'm different to this and I knew that this would kind of help with that. So when I started doing that, I was like, 
I'm going to really push this actually. This is, and it was when the, you know, social media and Instagram was purely built just to promote Victoria's Secret models, people that look like Victoria's Secret models. So when I started doing it, it was kind of cutting through more. There wasn't much of it around and I knew that that would hit and I, and I wanted to make people laugh because I know that a lot of people feel like shit looking at those photos. I know that I know that they do and I also knew that it would hopefully, well, I didn't know. I hoped that it would in turn bring work. Like I would message some friends who were actors who had like 10,000 followers or more and be like, mate, can you, get, can you post, can you repost this for me? And, you know, good friends would. Because I just knew, let's. I wanted to try and make it laugh and make, and make people laugh. And then I'd hear from friends saying, "Oh, that made me feel so much better about myself." And that's when I started contacting more friends, going, "Let's push this out. Let's push this out." Because it kind of had a, it got a bigger meaning as it got bigger, which was good. I love that so much. I think you have to do that in the early days as well. Do you remember what was the first image that went, for lack of a better term, viral? Uh, the very first one that people lost their mind over was Kim Kardashian posing on a dirt hill in underwear, obviously. <laughs> I posted that and um, ABC Online did it, got a story, made a story out of it here, and then it went around after that. Coming up after the break, how Celeste stays humble amid the chaos. But first a word from today's sponsor. like experiencing such international fame and I know this might be a common question that you get all the time but I want to know if it was confronting having suddenly everyone know who you were I think it's a bit different as well because it's online so I mean I think I got something like 50,000 followers after that photo in 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 a, a night and I kind of went oh cool but it's not as though they're it's not as though I'm a band a part of a band and 50,000 people at the front of my house they're in Germany. They're all around the world. So it's kind of like, oh, and it's and it's always just been about the work. So I just kept working and just kept doing it. And as the followers grew, again, it's not it's not as though they're all in my town or, you know, it's not like I'm doing a show and everyone, all those people are coming to see me. It's dispersed around the world. So you didn't really feel it. It hasn't been to the last couple of years where I'm like, no, shit, this is a thing. <laughs> There's people screaming at me across a beach and that's weird. So I, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't like I was one direction, do you know what I mean? And all of a sudden I was like, there's people screaming at me everywhere. It's been a bit of a slow burn, which is nice. Celeste, because you were never in this for the fame though, because you have always been a person who is creative and loves putting out good work into the world and loves making people laugh, I guess having that eventual attention, though, in person would be quite exposing. How does it feel when someone recognises you? I'm sure a lot of interactions are really lovely, but I'm sure on some occasions it also gets a bit much or you feel like a bit naked in public. Yeah, it can be a bit much sometimes. People are so nice. People are so nice to me and I appreciate it a lot. Like are they, for the most part, lovely and they get it and it is what it is and we're all just you know going through how we can getting through our days how we can sometimes it's a bit much just but you know people are drinking and also because of the type of person that I am and because of the type of person the type of brand that people get from me perceive they're like she'll be right she doesn't care she's she actually's nah, like us and there's 
you know, people follow me into toilets and be like, you don't fucking care, you just like it. And I'm like, all righty. <laughs> we might just need a little minute here just to, yeah, be. That doesn't happen much. I've never been in a horrible situation. I'm like, oh, I feel unsafe. It's all okay. It is, it is what it is. I'm all right with it. I handle it fine, but I'm acutely aware of it. When I'm with my kids and my son starts going, Mom, I'm trying to talk to you and I'm getting a photo with someone, that's where I'll call it. That's where I'll go, nah, nah, because I don't know what that's like, what they're going through, what my, my boys are going through. So I just... Just don't ever want it to be, and I don't want it that bad. I really don't. I don't want the, I don't want fame. So you know what I mean. As soon as I go, I've got to pick one or the other. I'm like, I know what I want to do. I'm going to keep working, and I've earned my stripes now. So I'm going to keep working and just kind of navigate through it the best way I can. But I, if I'm at an event, I, I like if I'm out in public, I can't go to the toilet on my own. That's new. Like the second I'm alone, people pounce and I say to my husband, you've got to come to the toilet with me. <laughs> I'm freaking out. <laughs> yeah. And I'll forget. I'll get up. If we're at a bar, I'll forget. I'll, go, I'll stand up and my best friend Thomas, as I stand up to walk to the bar, he's like, no, 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 and you'll come with me. I'm like, oh, shit. That's right. <laughs> you did tell Women's Weekly that you are an overnight sensation 15 years in the making. How did it feel when people started to call you an overnight success? Well, do you know what? I have to say they haven't really. I do this sometimes. I put stupid things out there myself because <laughs> I take the piss out of myself and think, you know, I'm like, oh, people probably think that about me. But I know that I, I know that they don't, you know what I mean? I, and I don't let people forget it. People can see the work. And, again, it's, you know, it's a it's a slow burn. If anything, I get messages from people going, why the hell haven't I heard about you? Where have you been? As opposed to going, oh, this bitch again. <laughs> You told Vogue in 2018, you were speaking to them about the, I guess, force of your own profile now. I mean, how many followers do you have? Is it 11 million? It was 11 million last time I checked. Oh, no. Oh, do you mean on, on Instagram, it's 7, 7.7, I think, across all social media. So like Twitter and Facebook, I think I might be near 11. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of people. And you spoke to Vogue and you said, look, I don't understand it and I'm always happy to not understand it and be shocked by it because the second I'm not shocked, I'm a fuckhead. How do you kind of reconcile that? I mean, 11 million people or 7 million people on Instagram, however you want to break it down, it's a shit ton of people. How do you kind of go, okay, that's great, but that's one facet of my life and it's actually kind of real but also kind of not real? Well, it is a, it is only one facet of my life, but it's a pretty big facet because I look at those people as my audience, not as followers or fans. I look at it as my audience and when I do those posts, as an example, it's like a like a show and I put it out there and I hope it's received well. Like I hope I get good reviews and I hope, you know, that's how I look at it. And I still, when I post, I still like to look at the numbers, not on a, oh, I didn't get it and I don't have enough likes because people don't like, not like that at all in a purely entertainment way, in a, you know, in a creative space as a comedian to see if what I'm doing is still funny, if people still like it, if that still hits. And that, and it does, and it, it it's never lost on me. When I get, when I do a post and it goes viral and, it go, and it's really, it's received really well, like I still am excited. I'm like, yeah, and it's the same thing that I said back in 2018 and I was being a fool in interviews. I'm the worst at interviews. <laughs> I'm liking you in this one. Oh, I just, I'm so sick of myself. <laughs> but, um, 
<laughs> Second I stop caring, I'm not doing it. Because then you just become an asshole. Then you just like, oh, whatever. Mm. And I don't ever want to be like that. I really don't. Who are you outside Celeste Barber, the brand? Like is there a line between the work version of Celeste and the home version or is it pretty hard to find a difference? I couldn't tell you. I, could, I, don't, I don't know how to answer those questions just because I don't really know. I'm not calculated enough to understand where it starts and stuff, but I'm also not an idiot. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know that it's working for my family and what I've set out to do, which is work and succeed in this industry, is happening and it works for my family and the people I love the most who look after me and who I look after. So I don't really know the answer to that. I just kind of I just kind of keep ticking along and when I fuck up, which I do, I hear it, I take it on board, I start, I'll go, well, I'm going to alter that then. I'm not going to. So do you know what I mean? I don't really know how to how to kind of answer that because it's it's weird. It's 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 a character, but it's not. It's an extension of me, but it's who I am. I don't really, yeah, I don't really know. And it's so enmeshed, right? I mean, your wonderful husband helps you out a lot with the content as well, in that he takes a lot of the imagery for you. We touched on earlier that your sister is also an incredible comedic talent in her own right and has really helped you craft the brand as well. It's such a family affair as well as your own baby, right? It is. They're all kind of in on it. They're all well in on it in that they know that this is what I've always wanted to do and now I'm doing it and they're amazing about it. My husband makes it all possible though. Getting on the plane to come down here yesterday, come down to Sydney, I just said to him, thanks, thanks, thanks for making all of this happen because he does. He's He's excellent and funny and understanding in a world that we don't really understand. So we just kind of navigate it together and see how we how we go through it. And I mean, this is kind of, it is really my baby, but I know then this world is my world in that my family aren't really like my sister and my mum and that dad aren't that in it at all. But when they are, it's really exciting. They have I'm interested to see how they like it and my sister was on the MCO shoot with me a few weeks ago. We did a tutorial and she's like, I always just thought it was all just so fancy, like you get driven here. And I was like, well, it is fancy. She goes, yeah, but it's work, isn't it? I was like, yeah, I can oath it's, it's work. So it's nice to have them in that world as well, kind of make, making it possible. I have no interest in doing this. Oh, I have no interest in being the most successful, richest, funniest person in the world and alone. Doesn't interest me. Not interested at all. Gotta kind I gotta have my people or I'm out. Hmm. One thing we both hugely admire about you is actually how much of a businesswoman you are and a really savvy businesswoman is at that. I think monetizing content online is difficult and I think a lot of people take it in a direction that is probably like a bit of a short burn and a quick burn. I think you're the opposite of that. And I'm really interested. How did you approach this from a business mindset? Like what kind of filters did you have going into monetizing your content? Because clearly they've paid off and you found yourself here, what, five, six years after launching the Instagram account and it's stronger and appealing to people more than ever. Yeah, I don't, I get nervous about, it's weird, money. 
and doing what I getting paid for what I do. I know that's especially on Instagram because I sit so comfortably in just doing what I do, not answering to anyone, posting out there, making millions of people laugh. There you go. Thank you. Go to bed. And there's no guilt. I got nothing out of it. I'm such an amazing selfless person. Look at me. I'm a hero. And then when collaborations come along, I panic. I I say no to all of them, mainly because most of them are terrible. But just because they go, no, 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 I'm happy to kind of just do this. But over the years, I've realized that, and, you know, marketing's got smarter and everything, that there's a way to do both. And and I'm really lucky, especially with MCO Beauty, working with these guys, and in particular, Shelly, the CEO of it, they've just gone, we, you, we want you to do it. And I'm like, yeah, the, most of the people that you usually use are nothing like me. We need to remember they're like, that's what we like. So I think when you talk about being a savvy businesswoman, which is a lovely thing to say, it's all gut for me. And that would annoy me if I heard someone saying that. I'd be like, oh, shut up. That's an annoying answer. Give me an actual answer to hold on to. But my agent has always said to me, trust your gut. The second you aren't sure, we're fucked. And it's true. If I go, I don't really want to, oh, I will anyway, it's the worst decision and I hate it and we all regret it. So I think because I know who I am and I'm learning more and more about what excites me and what I will do. I know so strongly what I won't do, but I'm learning more about what I will do and that's opening up more, which is good. So, yeah, it's and for me it's very important to work with people that trust you, not just treat you like oh, another one, like who trusts. Like I've worked hard to get where I am and that is respected in the collaborations that I do. So it's it's nice to work with people who are like-minded like that. You just mentioned being the face of Emco Beauty. I want to know why was it important for you to be the face of a beauty brand? Like so much of the beauty industry, as we just said, is hell-bent on elevating teenagers often. Was it exciting for you to push back against that rhetoric? Absolutely. Always exciting for me. And again, the whole thing with, you know, smart and pretty or funny and pretty, it's not oil and water. It's all one world. Like people go really well. Well, in an interview I did before, they were like, you know, it's an interesting collaboration. I was like, most of the comments I get from people since MCO Beauty and I collaborated were, this makes absolute sense. Of course you guys are working together. Of course. And I, and and that's exactly how I feel about it. I love makeup, always have. And, and I'm now in a world where I can be all the fancy lady that I want to be. But I love the idea of this brand being a really great product that fancy pants people use but you can afford, I like fancy things being accessible to people because it shouldn't just be for a handful of fancy people because we're all just trying to get through our day and we should all feel, and I feel like this brand does that. And that's, it's great for people if they, who love a lot of makeup, but other people who go, oh, I just need to put mascara on. <laughs> this does that. It, and it, it, it kind of, it marries two worlds beautifully and that's why I wanted to jump on board. Celeste, what do you want most out of your career from here? I know it's a colossal question and I also am reticent to put pressure on because I know when people ask that of even me and I've done nowhere near as much as you, I'm like, God, can't I just be content with where I am right now? And I think that's also a very valid aspiration, of course. But what are you looking for in the next few years? Like, do you have any projects that you really want to focus on or are you really just fucking content doing what you're doing right now? Well, look, I'm both. 
I want to keep going. I want to, I want it to keep going. I want it to, and if that looks like this in five years, if I'm still doing funny parodies or funny photos and making people laugh and touring my show around the world when the world opens back up again and have, doing great collaborations with companies that I really believe in, if I'm still doing that in five years, stoked. Great. That would be amazing. Ideally, I want to. I've got I've got stuff that's about to be happening in. You know, I've got I've got projects that are coming up, which are what I've always worked toward, and that is really exciting for me. And but I just keep just to keep going. I want TVs and TV and film and all that sort of stuff to really start kicking off. But I don't I don't have um I'm not someone. Who, I mean, I'm a goal orientated person, but I'm not someone who has an end goal. And if I don't achieve that, then it's all over. I'd love an Emmy. That's an end goal. They are and an Oscar. Found a new end goal. <laughs> wow, I just changed in five minutes, 30 seconds. <laughs> what fills your cup? Like where are you happiest? Is it with your family? Yeah, 100%. 100% with my kids and my husband and my mates. Absolutely. And working and touring and all of it it feel it, my cup with overflow it really it really does but you know just it's my kids and my husband 100 percent. celeste our second last question for you a bit of a hypothetical you overhear a table of people they might be your audience or they might be acquaintances and they're talking about you what would you want them to say about you what would make you feel happiest about i guess your role in their lives i'd like to hear that i'm I make people feel good. That um, when I'm around, it makes them feel good. Uh, be it, like you say, my audience or my closest friends, my family. I'd like um, that would be nice. That would be, and you know that I'm a kind person. I think kindness is a really important thing. I teach, try and teach it to my kids when I'm not screaming at them. But yeah, that I make them feel good and laugh and feel good about themselves. It's a really good question. That's a really good question. It's really full on and I love it. <laughs> it's, it's pretty intense as well. Like everyone's eyes pop when they're like, we've got a random hypothetical for you because they're like, are you putting us on an island somewhere? But our last question is always the same, Celeste, and I am really interested in your answer because you do have one of the more mainstream successful careers that I've seen, particularly of anyone that we've had in the podcast. So if you were to define success with all of this in mind, what is success to you? What is success to me? Well, that's a tricky one because it is whatever you want it to be. And for me, it's doing it's it's where I'm at right now is uh, is success, and where I'm at tomorrow is success. Again, I'm living the dream. It's it, everything's pretty sweet for me in my life at the moment. There are there are no complaints, and it is not lost on me at all how lucky how lucky I am. And that's a really successful thing being able to um have the people with me that I love while I'm doing what I love I find great I really like to be able to say oh during that I'd like it if I could have a need I kind of need these people around not an entourage vibe but just more of a this is kind of just how I roll I feel better if I can and that happening I I find that a big success I really enjoy doing that because like I said before I don't really have any interest in doing all this on my own well that's boring I get very sick of myself very sick of myself so I like to have a very core crew of people that I like to have around me and to be able to have them 
while I'm doing what I love to do is a, a big success for me. Celeste, I've got to say, we ask every guest that question, but I think your response might just be my favourite. Oh, a very, I didn't very long what I said, time. and I just said it, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you for coming on our show. We are colossal fans of yours, as are all of our listeners, and we're very, very grateful that we got to spend this last 40 minutes with you. Thanks so much, girls. It was really lovely to talk to you and to meet you both. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much, Celeste. Thank you so much for listening to this In Conversation episode of Shameless with the incredible Celeste Barber. If you want more from Celeste, because of course you do, she is on Instagram at Celeste Barber and she does have her own podcast too called Celeste and Her Best. If you love this chat, may we also recommend our interview with fellow comedian Celia Pacola. We will pop a link to that one in our show notes. As for us, we are an independent pop culture podcast that puts out new episodes every week. The number one way to support our show is to click subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review or click follow on Spotify. We will be back in your ears on Thursday, guys. And until then, have a wonderful week. Hello, guys. Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.